Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina. If you follow my ministry, you know I am passionate about reviving and uniting the body of Christ in order to fulfill the Great Commission with extravagant love for one another and for a hurting world. I invite you today to join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and best of all, your testimonies of God's goodness in your lives. Thank you for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I am so excited because I have on the line with me one of the most amazing Bible translators that we will probably ever get to speak to. This is Brian Simmons on the line with me today. He is one of the lead translators of the Passion Translation. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I love the Passion Translation. He has been in ministry for over 40 years with his beautiful wife, Candice. They have founded many ministries, including Passion and Fire Ministries, and are translating Bibles across the world. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's a joy to be with you. Oh my goodness. It is such an honor to have you. And I have to tell you, and my listeners know how much I love the Word of God. I am completely geeking out to get to talk to you about Jesus. Well, it's wonderful. You know, I share that passion for the scriptures uh, back in the Jesus movement in the early 70s. My wife and I just fell in love, not only with each other, but we fell in love with the Bible and decided we wanted to take that message around the world. So it's just a thrill to be with you, Christina. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. You know, I've, I've told our listeners a lot, of, a lot about you. Is there anything you can tell them about you that I haven't already said? Maybe something personal to help them get to know you? Uh, madly in love with Candace. Uh, we've been uh, a whirlwind romance for almost 50 years. This December, we have our 50th anniversary. We have three darling children, 10 grandchildren, and uh, that's our greatest joy, really. You know, we love Jesus with all of our heart, but right right next to that is we love our family. So uh, I guess that's, that's how I would want to be remembered, really. And what I really want to leave as a legacy is a love for my, for my kids and grandkids. Oh, I love that so much. And you have 10 grandkids. That's a lot of spoiling you get to do. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I And we love it. Absolutely love it. We actually have one of our granddaughters. She's 21. She's living with us for a few months, managing a Chick-fil-A. So we're thrilled to have this, uh, you know, special time with, uh, with our granddaughter, Rachel. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, I, I love what you're doing um, with your ministry, Passion and, and Fire, and translating um, the Bible, different books of the Bible, into um, a form that's so rich in the heart of God. Like, how did that come about? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, who in the world would translate the Bible? It's, um, it's just, just a, a privilege 
that God has laid before me, I guess it really began when we were tribal missionaries in the jungle, the rainforest of, of uh, Panama and Colombia. Uh, we were there with the Payacuna people, and I assisted in the uh, translation of the New Testament. And I had trained, been trained in linguistics and was, you know, thrilled to see the Bible, at least the New Testament, come alive for a people that had no written language. They never even had one, uh, one book or uh, anything written down in their dialect. So it was tremendous privilege that brings wow. me to tears when I think about, you know, seeing a, a tribe of people with their own language group that now have the New Testament that they can read and understand. And, and uh, the, the Old Testament project is continuing. I don't know for sure if it's finished uh, by the Wycliffe translation team, but they are working on it. That's so amazing. So uh, what are you currently translating right now? Well, I'm working uh, as we speak on the book of Hosea. We have done... Um, uh, all of the New Testament, as you know, along with Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, Isaiah, Genesis, uh, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth is now available. We have uh, Jeremiah and Lamentations in the pipeline, along with Daniel and Ezekiel. So mm. uh, I'm working now on what they call the minor prophets. They're actually called the Twelve in uh, Judaism. You know, we have twelve uh, apostles of Jesus, and they have 12 prophets from um, Hosea to Malachi. That's so awesome. You know, that actually makes sense because, you know, the number 12 is, you know, the number of God's government, you know, and the entire law and the prophets were given into to reveal Jesus in the Old Testament. So that's really cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and there were 12 judges, and I, I call the uh, book of Judges the the book of Acts of the Old Testament. It, it has the 12 uh, judges that really were heroes, men and women. That is so cool. Thank you for that tidbit. Oh my gosh. See, this is why I am completely geeking out. I love that. He hides things throughout the scriptures. And, you know, when I see something, when I hear something, um, I just, it's just a thrilling and exhilaration. You know, when you're reading the Bible and God highlights, you know, a portion or something and he's really trying to say the anointing is on that. I'm speaking this to you right now. You know, it's so life giving. It. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's like the, the words come right off the page or off the app. <laughs> that, yeah, absolutely. And I, I literally feel like I'm eating. I'll just sit there and stare at that one portion until I, I sense the anointing going away, you know. Until I, I, I've just really got it, you know, and um, it's 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 like eating to me. You know, that's exactly how I feel when I approach the Bible and the, the sacred text. It's inspired, which means it has has been God breathed. So the breath of God is in the text. So I like to read it until I feel the wind hit my face, until I feel the breath mm. released upon me. And that's really the feast that we share in the Word of God. That uh, you know, God told John to eat the scroll. We want to read the Bible, but there's nowhere really where where we're told to read the Bible. God wants us to eat it, 
and to understand it, process it, live it, and uh, let it transform us. Amen. I love that so much. I always think about Ezekiel. When you said you were translating Ezekiel, I'd be really interested to see that Um, because there's some things that the Lord's been highlighting to me lately in Ezekiel and stuff. But I I love that because it it is like eating. It is like sustenance. I can tell when I'm really hungry. And you know, the amazing thing about eating in the kingdom of God is the more you eat, the hungrier you get. That's right. It's like a good steak. A good steak is when you can eat an eight ounce steak and you you want another one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And like, how amazing it must be for you to like look at the Greek and the Hebrew and look at the Aramaic and try to figure out, you know, who were they speaking to? What were they saying? What was the cultural context? I'm a big teacher out of context. I don't like it when people cherry pick scriptures out of context, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the historical context of scripture is the basic interpretive model that we, we uh, cling to. However, I, I like, and I'm sure you'll like this too, but I also like peeling off the multiple layers. Um, one ancient rabbi said that there were 70 faces to the Torah, which meant, you know, there's 70 interpretations to every verse. And uh, there's just multiple layers of revelation hidden in the Word of God. And we've got to approach it like a child that knows nothing instead of a scholar that knows everything. So I, you know, my passion is to be a scholar of God's heart, not just letters on a page. I want to know Amen. the heart, the passion behind it. What, you know, you know, Christina, we have, uh, you know, we all text each other. Uh, we have friends that we text. And just to make sure that they understand our heart, we use emoticons. So we put something in that communication so that they realize we're laughing, we're smiling, or, you know, crying or whatever. But unfortunately, with the Bible, it's, it's not emoticons. So we have to really dig and find his heart, what he's saying. If you've ever been misunderstood, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that God's words can be misunderstood. And if we have a guilt lens over our heart, a guilt-driven theological bent, then we're going to feel guilty and be, be uh, scorched every time we read the Bible. But if you have a love lens over your heart, you realize that God is love and his words come through that passionate heart of mercy and tenderness. And, uh, you know, uh, hesed is the Hebrew word, uh, hesed. Mm -hmm which means covenant love, that he has to love us. God uh, has to love us. That's the covenant that he's made with us. And in a sense, there, there's a sense in which he, he would cease being God if he didn't love you. This incredible God of love has to be understood and revealed as we read the sacred text. So mm -hmm. um, it's... It's true that we don't ever want to add to the scripture, although uh, every translation does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have verse markings and chapter headings and subject headings and italicized words. So, it, But nobody seems to care about taking away from the word of God. 
and we're told both not to add nor to take away. And I feel like some translations and um, some teachers have taken away the powerful emotional impact of scripture. So we're mm-hmm. doing our best in the Passion Project to really, uh, you know, kind of go to the cutting room floor and pick up the shreds that have been left out. Uh, it's really not a uh, it's a noble pursuit to want a word for word translation, but it's impossible, especially with Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hebrew is a homonymic language, uh, 7,500 biblical Hebrew words, uh, no vowels, and one Hebrew word can mean three and four different things. So mm-hmm. it's when you, when you try to put one Hebrew word into one English word, you're likely leaving out half or more of its true meaning. So yeah. it's, that's why we footnote in the Passion Translation and we try to add those nuances and the uh, special emphasis that we, we believe the text is giving us. Mm. Yeah, I love that so much. I think you said so many powerful things. I, I would completely agree with you. I, you know, I always tell people that we don't see the world at, as it is. We see it as we are. It's, it's what lens we're seeing with. And I think for me, the way that I've always read the Bible is I've, I read it through the eyes of love. And if it doesn't make sense through love, then I'm probably reading it the wrong way. <laughs> I agree. Um, because he because he is the God of love. And I love what you said about uh Hesed. It's that covenant, that covenant relationship with God. And what people don't understand about Hesed too is that there are legal justifications when Jesus died on the cross. He died as you, and for God to continue to punish you. Um, for your sin, he would be violating his own foundations of justice and righteousness. And I like what you said, how he would cease to be God because he lives on the foundations of justice and righteousness. So So true. Yeah, um, it says in Isaiah that the mountains may crumble and fall into the sea, but his covenant of hesed will never be lifted from us. So it's just impossible for God not to love you intensely with an eternal love. Since it stepped out of eternity, it has nothing to do with what we do with our life. It's a love that began in the, you know, it began in eternity. It's not going to be diminished by a mess you have in time. Nothing Mm -hmm. can separate us from that love, things present or things to come. So there's an eternal quality to the love of God that is unrelated to our flaws, unrelated to our weakness. And I like to, to teach that, that our flaws are prophecies of our next breakthrough. That God Ooh, I like that. Target, he targets our weakness. Like a river always goes to the lowest place, so his love and mercy always cascade down deep into the heart and lift us until our weakness becomes strength in his eyes. And flaws are not going to get in the way. Actually, 
he says in Song of Songs, there is no flaw in you. Can you imagine a love like that that will never fasten onto your flaw? Mm, I know. Isn't it beautiful? This is, this is why I love the Word of God and I love Jesus so much. He is, he is so good and He's so much better than we could ever imagine or dream. And I really feel like as is, is little as we know, I think we've just scratched the surface of the love of God. And, you know, I feel like just that thought, like, could just, we could just imagine and dream of being in his presence and his love for all eternity, what that could even possibly be like, you know? Yeah. The height, the width, the length, the depth, the expanse of God's love, it's beyond knowledge. It's not meant for the intellect. It's meant for the heart, for the spirit within us. Mm -hmm. And if we try to interpret love, we ruin it. We just receive it. We just say yes to that, that uh, mountain of grace in front of <laughs> us. And uh, we, we hug the mountain. <laughs> and we say, thank you, Lord. And show me more. Yeah. Teach me more of your ways. You know, the verse I found in Isaiah where it says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. If you look carefully at the context, it's speaking about mercy and love, that my ways of showing love to you and giving you mercy are not your ways of extending mercy. And my thoughts about you are not your thoughts about you. So this God who is love cherishes the fact that you woke up this morning and the only thing you have to do to please him is just to live. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's in him. I am well pleased. He's the father's pleased with his son and his son lives in us in fullness. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. The fullness of Christ dwells in us, the fullness of God. So the fully pleased father uh, smiles daily, kisses our brow every sunrise with new mercies, cherishes and loves us, even when we are in our lowest, weakest, most disturbed moment. Uh, when I deserve a lecture, I get a kiss from God. Yes, uh, so my, good. Yes. My weakness never turns him away. And uh, yes. God loves to use weak people. That's all he has. <laughs> yeah. Weak people. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I love what you said about how God uses our weaknesses and he fills those weaknesses with himself and actually turns them to strengths. Yes. He showed me that years ago and he told me, you know, I was going through a time of healing and um, I had experienced such grief and sadness. And he told me where this deficit of sadness and grief was, I will fill it with joy. And you will be known for your joy. You know, where we have lacked in our lives, he fills it with himself. You know, he's, he's um, El Shaddai, all sufficient. You know, he can fill the Grand Canyon of your soul with love if you let him, you know. Absolutely. We've been in the river, but this is the sea. Amen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And his mercy and the new covenant is a sea. I love that you called it a mountain too. 
because it is, it's so um, astounding to me, the grace of God. You know, he says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And, and the word there in the Greek is, is much more, much more. It's emphasized, you know, so, you know, even if you are the weakest in your house, like Gideon said, even if you are the worst sinner, like the Apostle Paul says, um, his grace can turn you into the greatest saint because it is completely and totally unmerited based on his goodness. I mean, how crazy amazing is that? I'm trying to muffle my shout of hallelujah over here, but I'm about to erupt with one. If you keep going. I know, me too. <laughs> Love it. We- you can tell how, like, you can tell where I've been and where he's brought me from and just what I've seen. And this is why I burn, you know? It's just when we see him in the scriptures, when we see what he's done, when we understand, it is, oh my gosh, you'll run, you'll run, you'll run, you'll run, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll run with him into the cloud filled chamber of glory. Yeah. God wants the word of Christ to dwell in us richly and for it you know, for the water of the word to become the wine of the spirit. Word and spirit, when they mingle, uh, you have you have God's presence. Um, the word and the Holy Spirit are married. The word is the spouse of the spirit. And the spirit is the spouse of the word. And they'll never separate or file for divorce. You'll always have them both. And that's... Uh, that's been my story. My journey, Christina, was uh, uh, a very self-righteous young believer at, at 20 and 21. I'd just come to know Christ out of uh, my bad background. I went from LSD to GOD in one day. And, oh, my uh, gosh. I love that. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> immediately got hungry. I had a divine supernatural hunger for scripture, which I know you understand. And yes. I ended up memorizing half the New Testament. So I didn't even know I had the ability. But, uh, you know, quoting Ephesians, Hebrews, Romans, John's letters, it, but I realized as a um, Bible believer, but did not really understand the Holy Spirit, None of us understand the Holy Spirit, but I had never really had a what I'll call a baptism in the Holy Spirit, that the word in me wasn't changing me at at 21, 22. I I had to learn how to be a husband, how to how to love people, how to lead, uh, how to bring the gospel with with grace. And those are all lessons that I believe the Holy Spirit had to teach me. So. I love the Bible, and I'm never going to diminish that, but that the water has to become wine, and the revelation mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit has to mingle with the truth of the Word, um, and that's that's what I would want your listeners to really walk away with today, that, you know, we can quote Bible verses and uh, and have anger issues and all kinds of relationship dysfunction. God doesn't want us quoting Bible verses. He wants us to know his heart, to express it, to live like Jesus, to love with the love that he has. And that can only come from the spirit mingling with the word. 
and uh, two shall become one. And mm. when we join the two, in my experience, and I lived many years without that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I, I can speak from sad experience that I was a self-righteous, somewhat know-it-all Christian until, um, well, God had to take us out to the jungle where I got de-selfed, <laughs> where uh, I had nothing to give the people. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to change my life. And mm. after an all-night prayer meeting under the mosquito net, uh, with my tears, I went to my neighbors, the hut next door, and began to repent and tell the, the people of our village that I wasn't loving them with the love of Christ. And would they forgive me? And would they now listen to the gospel that I wanted to bring them? You know, I spent the whole day walking through the village weeping, and uh, every hut I went to, the power of God came and fell upon the people. And some of them fell to the ground in tears. Some of them just gripped by the Holy Spirit in a way I'd never seen before. And it was a beautiful, beautiful move of God swept over the village of Pukoro in the mid-80s. So... My journey has, has been a great love for the Bible and a great passion for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love that so much. And of course, you founded Passion and Fire. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, I tell people I'm passion. My wife is fire. <laughs> That's fire. Yeah. My husband's married to a fireball, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. You know, I I think you said some really powerful things in there about, you know, marrying the word and the spirit. And I think that's so beautiful. How can our listeners really engage with the Holy Spirit um, while reading the Bible? What would you recommend they do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing now that has changed my life. I had quite a severe bout with COVID and the Lord spared me and brought me back to health. And I, I renewed my vows. Uh, I felt like I had a new lease on life. And part of those vows was to take communion with him every single day. And I've been doing that now for a season and it's changed me. It's really changed my life. So before I, I open the book, I open my heart and take the body and blood of our Lord Jesus and commune with him in common union and join in spirit with him. I, I just fall into the spirit of grace. And then as I open the Bible to read or later to translate, uh, it just comes alive. It, it's spirit mm. wind blowing on my face. It's, it's just a beautiful experience uh, at, at 70 years old to, to just encounter God all over again with life and spirit and power uh, as I prepare my heart and, and taking communion. Uh, that's been a recent development in my life, and I'm looking forward to seeing that work its way through me in every every uh, dimension. But mm -hmm. yeah, I would suggest uh, everyone to pause and remember the cross of our Lord Jesus and come back to the heart of worship. <laughs> 
you know, and to that, that sacred tree, the cross of Calvary. And uh, I meditate and uh, pray, of course, for my family and loved ones and for the needs that surface in my heart. That's, that's awesome. I really love what you shared about taking communion um, and then coming and reading the Word of God. And it's just bubbling up in my heart. I, I feel like there's a very scriptural and a very biblical basis for that. I'm just reminded of the disciples walking back on, um, I think it was the Emmaus Road, and they were so discouraged. Jesus had just been crucified, and he hasn't yet. They hadn't heard that he was resurrected yet. And Jesus is walking with them, and he starts expounding the scriptures. The Bible says things concerning himself. And he walked all the way with them. And um, he came He came and he sat down with them and he broke bread. And then they saw him. Then they realized who he was. And I think that's so powerful to take communion as you're reading, you know, before you read the Bible to help you see who Jesus really is. You know, the Bible says when they broke the bread, they saw him. They recognized who it was who was speaking to them. That's a, a beautiful uh, passage, wonderful affirmation there that it opens our eyes, doesn't it? When we focus on on what he's done for us, who he is, and then what he says. For me, I read everything in light of the cross, in light of the New Testament. Um, I think, you know, when we come to a scripture and we don't read it in light of the cross, we can misinterpret the heart of God and where we're at and what we're called to in that moment, you know? Yeah, I think one of the most amazing scriptures that John gives us is that the commandments of God are not burdens. And the mm. reason is whatever God commands, and there are commandments, uh, even the New Testament, the commandment to love God and to love one another, the law of Christ, but even commandments become prophecies because he will fulfill in us whatever he requires from us. And he did that in our sins when we were guilty of our sins and Christ fulfilled on the cross what we could not do in the flesh, what we couldn't do in any way. And so when he comes to live in us, he delights in taking the responsibilities of life in his hands. We learn of him. We join in life union. We take that, what, what Matthew calls a yoke, uh, which is just being in union with him. And we learn that he's meek and lowly, easy to please, gentle. Uh, everything about him is winsome and alluring. And we learn that he fulfills in us what he requires from us. That's the key to walking in the spirit. Amen. I love that so much. I remember um, one time I was, you know, I was feeling overwhelmed with something. And he said to me, he said, the demand is not on you. It's on Christ within you. And it just set me free. I was like, oh, okay, well, I trust Christ within me, you know. And that's the beautiful thing about the new covenant is, yes, those those commandments become um, like imperatives. He empowers the fulfillment of those things with himself, Christ within you, the hope of glory. And uh, ours is a life of rest and adoration. 
you know, we worship, we exalt, we let God arise and he fights the battle, you know? <laughs> Love it. I'm, I'm having a double hallelujah moment here, but yeah, I love that word uh, rest found throughout uh, the book of Hebrews. You know, Sabbath for the believer is not a day. It's a relationship with Christ where he mm -hmm. becomes our Shabbat. He, the man, Jesus Christ, is our Sabbath faith rest. And we take his works, not ours. And uh, Song of Songs chapter one ends up with, with the bridegroom and the Shulamite the king and the Shulamite lying in a green meadow, looking at the, uh, looking into the heavenly realm and that resting place of his love. Zephaniah 317 says that, uh, that we can rest in his love and he will rest in his love for us. So it's truly a, a, mm -hmm. a communion resting place. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, so tell me, what is your favorite book so far that you've translated? <laughs> what has, what delights your heart so much? And if you say Song of Songs, I'm just going to, you know, get uh, so happy. <laughs> well, absolutely. You're, you're priming my pump. It, absolutely, 100% Song of Songs. First book I translated, fell in love with the book about 20 plus years ago. Read, um, oh, I'm going to say 75 to 90 commentaries on it and uh, studied it out, memorized it, now translating it uh, from Hebrew to English. I, I just am convinced that it's the heart of God, that it mm -hmm. is not a book of erotica. It's not a book of sexuality. Uh, that is like, how do you get that? When, when um, that's like saying one of Solomon's adulterous affairs should be, inspired scripture uh that just isn't true and uh, if i were to tell my wife her hair is like a flock of goats and her nose is like <laughs> the tower of damascus i i don't think it would i don't think it would enhance our you relationship <laughs> you don't think it would work you don't no, think it would <laughs> uh, I, I think you know flowers uh, a night out or something would work a lot better so oh. the song of songs is the sacred romance of God and the heart, the believer, the soul. And uh, mm. the word soul and spirit in both Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic is feminine. So mm -hmm. uh, within our heart, there is that responsive, feminine-like uh, ability to relate uh, in divine romance to God himself. And Jesus wants a partner. He longs for a bride. He came to earth for a bride, not for a kingdom. He already has one, not for a throne. He sat on one forever. He came for mm -hmm. a bride, and that's why he's coming back, not to establish mm -hmm. a kingdom, but to marry a bride. The key, I used to tell new believers, start with the book of John. Now I hand them the song of songs. I say, start with this, get full of the love of Jesus, or you're going to read the Bible with, uh, out of, out of sync with God's heart. Mm, I think that's so good. So I, I would agree. I love that song of songs, especially in the passion translation. I have lived that book. I remember one time I was reading through that book and the Lord sent an eight point stag to jump my eight foot privacy fence. And like, 
a suburban neighborhood. I woke up. Yeah, I woke up one morning and there was an eight point stag in my tiny backyard staring through the glass door at me. (laughs) I was like, oh. (laughs) That is Song of Songs 2. He jumps over the mountain or privacy fence and looks through the lattice. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Triple hallelujah on that one. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like I really have lived that book and it is so powerful. And you're right. I, you know, I was worshiping the other day and I was singing this song, um, love himself is, is coming for us. You know, I just, I just see Jesus on the clouds calling up his bride. Love himself is coming for me. You know, he's coming for his beautiful beloved, you know, and I just think if we just could understand how much we are loved and how much we are adored. I think that's a a big part of being passionate and fiery is receiving his love. It's not even that we love him. It's that he's loved us first. Yeah. You know, and we can't give what we have not received. So to really open our heart deeper still to the love of Christ, which is beyond rationality and to discover that it's endless that we know nothing yet fully. Um, mm-hmm. We have so much more to, to dive into. Uh, it's truly an ocean, truly an ocean mm-hmm. of, of vastness. And then we can turn to those that we love on earth and even strangers we meet. And we can express that kind of love, you know, not condemning, not uh, expecting something from them, but just to love because that's the nature of love. Mm-hmm. That's the most beautiful thing I've learned about the love of Jesus is that it's completely unconditional. He expects he doesn't he will love you whether you love him in return or not. It is it is eyes of fire pierced, narrowed on you. You cannot escape it, you know, and it's just that intense focus of love. You know, you can you can run, you can hide, but it's still there. That love is still there. And, and we can give it back to him, you know, that glance of love, one glance from our eyes and it, uh, hard, it, 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 it stirs him so deeply. I, I think we forget that Jesus Christ is a human being on the throne of the universe, that he didn't yes. leave his humanity, according to the book of Hebrews. He is a, a sympathetic high priest and he has in the throne room right now, every quality and characteristic of humanity except for sin. And as the God-man, the 200% human, he's ruling the universe. And his heart, his human personality can be affected by our worship, by our Mm -hmm. abandoned worship when we're at our worst and we're weak and we don't have answers. We still have distractions everywhere, but we turn away and we worship Jesus with passion. It captures him. It holds him hostage, so to speak, and it it moves the heart. The Trinity is impacted by my worship. Yeah, I believe that wholeheartedly, 1000%. He he told me one time, he said, if you want to move my hand, you move my heart. Wow. So beautiful. Oh my gosh, this has been so much fun. Can you believe it has been 40 minutes? <laughs> 40 minutes of bliss. 
Amen. I have loved every minute of it. Um, before we go, can you, is there something that the Lord's put in your heart, um, maybe to speak to our listeners or maybe to pray for them? Yeah, I, I really feel the Lord is, is saying to many of us, all of us, that it's a time for fresh courage, that perfect love is meant to cast out fear. And when we are fearless in our walk with Jesus, that means we're courageous. We're willing to advance. We're willing to explore, discover, and go past the boundaries of churchianity. And I, I just feel like this word courage is so uh, needed today. And we need courage not to be weird or to be obscene or, or you know, just, I don't mean just vocally courageous to spout our opinions, but to be courageous before God and before others to keep our advance moving forward, to stay on the path of righteousness and in the grace revelation that we've been given and to move out. You know, we've been at this mountain long enough. There's a new day, a new horizon, a new dawning of awakening and glory that's in front of us. And only the courageous are going to be able to really move in fullness into what God has. So if you'd allow me, I'd, I'd like to just pray that God would release that courage of Joshua uh, into our hearts. Absolutely. So, Father, you, you are kind to me, and you've been so gracious to us. Your mercy is higher than the heavens. Your forgiveness is your default. You just constantly uh, tell us that our flaws are no longer relevant in your presence. And I pray, God, that you would look into the heart of each one of our listeners, each one of us today, and that you would implant, embed within us a new boldness and courage, a bravery to, in spite of opposition, persecution, misunderstanding, the lies of the enemy, uh, distractions, and devils, that we would move forward as individuals and as a corporate unified body. Lord, that we could take cities for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We could bring this living message into communities of darkness, of those that have felt rejected, disenfranchised, ignored by the church, that we would go there, Lord. We would go into those places of darkness and bring the light and love of Jesus. I ask for that courage to inspire each one of us in our world to see a change. Lord, I thank you for your covering love. I pray that you'll bless Christina and her family, each listener today and their families, their loved ones. Let the favor of God most high be upon them. Lord, bless them, keep them. Lift up the light of your countenance upon them and give them peace. Shine your glory light into their innermost being. And surround them with the shalom of God. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. This has been just an amazing conversation with Dr. Brian Simmons, the lead translator of the Passion Translation. You can find out more information about him at passionandfire.com. 
and uh, you can get connected with them. I will put links to his ministry in the show notes. And of course, please, please, please check out the Passion Translation and start with the Song of Songs. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. If you liked today's episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends. If you want more information on our ministry and how you can partner with us, please visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. We've got information on there about our events, blog posts, the Extravagant Love Store, and more. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Christina Pereira Ministries. Until then, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless you.